All right, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, everybody. This is Mommy and Amy Dawn coming before you today um, on Saturday. What day is this? Saturday, June the 27th, another day of Bible study. And today's Bible study, um, we had an excellent time. It was myself and Sierra and Mariana who came together for Bible study, but I felt the need to actually come on and just redo the lesson. There are some key points that I believe God desires for us to get from this lesson. So I just wanted to redo the lesson. I just felt like we were somewhat disjointed uh, with the group. Uh, We had other priorities today, and then we were trying to rush as well uh, to meet a deadline. Um, So I just want to make sure that we get all of the nuggets. This one was a good one. It was a good one. It was it was actually I was impressed (laughs) that God uh, led us in this direction. But uh, what we were talking about was understanding and discerning the will of God. How do we understand and how do we uh, discern the will of God? Uh, And we were in the books of the books of uh, Acts and Romans, and uh, the we were in Acts chapter one, Acts chapter fifteen, as well as uh, Romans twelve. And I would encourage each of you, each of you, to replay uh, the recording from this morning where we walk through uh, those chapters. And if you don't have access to the recording, just go into your Bibles. And uh, I use that Bible gateway and it has an audio feature where you can actually play uh, the Bible verses. And again, you all know I am a strong advocate uh, for the Message Bible. I believe that it gives us some practical, uh, uh, comprehensive understanding of the Word of God while, um, you know, as avid Uh, students of the word and studiers, we know that sometimes we have to dig deeper uh, because in that translation, the words don't translate well from its original uh, text to uh, our English uh, uh, communication or language. So anyway, play those scriptures so that you all can be caught up on the lesson and the direction that we're going. And again, Uh, As we continue to go through these Bible studies, it is my recommendation that we listen to the entire book, the entire chapter at a minimum. But when we start, when God gets us digging into um, the word, it's important that we understand the context of the word. So the three things that we're looking to do, right, as we continue along this journey and this path, as we study, we want to know what was God saying to the people at that time? What was uh, the contextual uh, message that was being uh, uh, relayed at that time? What was God saying to his people? We also want to understand today, God, what are you saying to us? What are you saying to us? What do you want us to get out of this? And finally, How are we going to respond? Lord, how do we respond? Now, we saw what you said then. 
We understand what you're saying today, and this is our collective and individual response to you, okay? So that's that's what we want to get out of it. And the other thing I want to say before I get into the study is you all beware. <laughs> Don't say I didn't tell you, but beware that as God is continuing to take us along this journey of growing with one another spiritually, there will be lessons that will be learned and we will be tested uh, during this period. But I believe, I believe that God, as he continues to give us the word, he gives us opportunity to apply his word and the things that we have learned to our lives so that it will stick, (laughs) so that it will stick. (coughs) So I want to make sure that you all understand that That's almost a disclaimer uh, for continuing on in this Bible study. All right. So I love you all. And I pray that this is a blessing to you. But I just felt felt led to uh, to just redo the study. All right. Love you all. All right, so let's let's talk about it. Let's jump into this study. Um, again, if you haven't had an opportunity at least to listen to uh, Acts, I want you to take a moment, hit pause, and go and listen to Acts chapter 1. And again, I love that message Bible, all right? Okay, so what, what was happening here, what we have to understand as we open up this study is that in the book of Acts, uh, what was going on then during that time uh, was it, it chronicled the experiences of the founding and the foundation laying, the, the brick laying of the Christian church. Okay, so the bookends of, of this book, it was started, it started with the ascension of Jesus into heaven, right? So it started with the ascension of Jesus into heaven and that experience that they had. And it ended with the death of Paul. So the, the, the scriptures take you through what they had experienced or what happened during that time. Again, powerful, powerful, powerful book in the Bible, and it helps to shed light on the heart of God concerning his people, and it gives us very practical and tangible instruction on what we ought to do. Although this is one of the books in the Bible that is 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 most often and more commonly debated amongst theologians and interpretation has been uh, misconstrued uh, throughout the Christian faith. But nonetheless, for those who are led by the Spirit of God and receive revelation by Him, I'm telling you, this is a book. (laughs) This is a book to study. But anyway, so what was going on in, um, in this first chapter and uh, uh, Acts, Paul was was sharing the gospel with a group of uh, what they call pluralistic philosophers, pl- pluralistic philosophers who, to them, from their perspective, their worldview denoted that there are many possible paths to truth 
okay? So to them, they didn't stand on one philosophy versus another. You know, to them, there are many paths to the truth. You know, almost reminds me of the Buddhists, right? And, uh, and you know, because they, they believe that, hey, you might have it right in your religious doctrine. You may have it right in your religious doctrine. Can't we all get along? So long as <laughs> we all live peaceably amongst one another, you know, then then we can um, we we can we can uh, cohabitate together. But what Paul and even Peter and the other apostles who were present during that time, what they were trying to drive the people to was the reality that there is a right and a wrong. There is a, God has given us wisdom and he's not going to offset his wisdom because of our lack of knowledge. Okay. So they were coming to teach them and train them. So that was what was occurring uh, during that time, but more specifically, it was Peter who was ministering to them in the upper room. And I shared with uh, Sierra and, and Mary earlier, we had a good chuckle uh, when we were talking about, you know, you guys heard that saying, the upper room. I can't even remember what movie it came from yet. But when you get into Acts in that first chapter, when it said they went up to the upper room, that is where they met the Holy Spirit. That is where the Holy Spirit uh, came upon them in the upper room. They were in the upper room. But anyway, that's a nice little tidbit from whatever. It seemed like Eddie Murphy or somebody. But anyway, it's funny. And so, uh, but, but these were a set group of people who eventually made up the, the sum of the, um, the Christian church. So they, they were the, the founding uh, members of the Christian church. And so the experience that those who were believers, but they were not so uh, stern in their faith or they had, um, you know, this this Christian thing, uh, you know, was so new that they were having a challenge with uh, coming alongside of the apostles uh, as, as they were seeing all of this uh, trauma and tragedy occurring. And not, not only that, uh, the Jewish uh, people that were during that time, they had actually um, experienced God. They had experienced God in a way that God was a um, instructor. He was, he was, he was a God that was um, what am I trying to say now? Because sometimes I overthink things, but I know what I want to say in my mind. But God was um, God was a, a a hands-on leader. That's what I want to say. He was a hands-on leader with uh, the 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 Jewish people, the children of Israel, and what they had experienced. Those who were in Jerusalem was that generations before, and even tapping into that generation, they knew God to be a God who spoke and instructed. But there was a season of time. There was a season of time that they had not received instruction. They they didn't feel like, you know, <clears throat> they were getting uh, guidance from God. And uh, they longed for that. They longed for that. They longed for that time to return. So in this uh, 
first chapter of Acts, this was the first time. So, so imagine, um, and I share with them, I gave my experience uh, of how there have been seasons in my walk where I knew God was there. I didn't even have to ask the question. I knew God was right there. I understood his will and I was I was I was quick to follow. I was quick to walk in obedience and I would listen and hear and 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 move, okay? But there've been other times and seasons in my life where I just felt a drought. I felt like I couldn't hear God. I didn't know what he wanted me to do. And I got so frustrated and my faith began to be challenged in such a way that I started questioning, well, God, are you really real? (laughs) I know I had these experiences in the past, but are you really real? Because I can't even hear you in my time of trouble. I can't even hear you in the moments that I need you the most. And I can't discount the fact that I heard you before, but I just need to know that you are here and God's wouldn't speak. God still wouldn't speak. And those uh, valley experiences in my own walk have been the the things that have uh, made the scripture with Job more uh, prevalent in my life to, to where he said, and I quote this a lot of times, that even though I cannot trace you, I trust you. And I had to get to that point in my walk where if I can't trace you, God, I still trust you. But just imagine the, the jubilance, the, how how much joy you receive when when that that flood get or that that voice just turns back on, <laughs> and you and you hear from God, and you hear from God. I can imagine how excited they were, how excited they were to be able to hear from God once again. And although during that time, the tragedy and the turmoil and the the trauma is what I'm trying to say that they experienced knowing that here, our faithful leader, here God is sending, you know, and I can just imagine in my mind how, you know, they, I may not have been an apostle. I may not have walked you know, directly with Jesus, but you know, when you hear it through the grapevine and you know, you are in that community, you know, that, that Jesus was a strong teacher. You know, that he was a great rabbi, a good pastor, that he was a, a great leader. And now that leader is being taken away from you. So what Jesus wanted to do, he wanted to encourage them and let them know that, yeah, I got to go. Because I got to go back with my father to prepare a place for you. But when I go, I'm not just going to leave you hanging. I'm not just going to leave you in the dust. I'm going to leave a comforter. I'm going to leave a, a confidant, a companion, someone that will be there to provide the guidance that you need to provide the comfort that you need so that you can progress forward. The children of uh, Israel, what they had experienced with God, what they they, um, knew was that God was a faithful God, that God was a loving God, that even in, in, in God being powerful and terrible and strong, God was still a God who catered to the needs of of his people. 
So again, they long for the days of old to return. And and although they lacked that leadership and they longed for that leadership, they didn't even recognize it when Jesus came in the flesh. They didn't recognize it. They didn't accept Jesus as who he told them that he was. The first step in us understanding the will of God and knowing the will of God is we got to acknowledge who Christ says he is. We got to know that he is who he says that he is. We don't want to make the same mistakes that they made. And I can imagine they assumed that he would come embodied in this one package. And because he didn't meet their expectations, they, they, they turned away from him. Many of them, many were lost because they could not accept who he said that he was. They didn't recognize him. But again, even in all of that, for those who repented and those who came alongside the movement, he promised them that because he had to return to heaven, that, you know, he would leave his presence in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so if you go on uh, as extra credit to this study, if you listen to Acts 2, or if you read through Acts 2, then you'll begin to see how uh, that promise was made manifest. And so now with the Holy Spirit, they have that direct leading that they had experienced through Christ. And they have an opportunity to abide in it. So in Acts 1, what what was happening there... uh, they were trying to, the, the, the uh, disciples were trying to determine who was going to take on Judah's place. And, and, and I say Acts 1, but more specifically, uh, verses 23 through 26 is what uh, the lesson calls for. And what was happening during that time, the disciples were trying to decide, okay, so who's going to take on this lot? And you all know the story of Judas. Judas was the one who turned on Christ and gave him up. So he turned on him, he gave him up, and he was rewarded as a result of that. And his conscience had ate him up so bad that he committed suicide. And that can be another study. (laughs) But, But he couldn't take it. He could not take it after he allowed himself to be used by the enemy to surrender Christ and turn his back on him. And so he took his life. And so now they had a dilemma because they're like, okay, now who who do we appoint to take on this place? And so what they did was they began to to, um, perform a practice that was very common during that time, and it was called casting lots. So they they cast their lots. And, and this was a practice that actually was used in the Old Testament. And so during the Old Testament, uh, they would cast lots. And, and the way that I look at casting lots is, um, 
it's like um, flipping a coin, you know, flipping a coin or um, drawing straws or, and, and the word actually said they were drawing straws. That's, that's, that's what it said it was doing. They were doing, um, and I'm trying to get to, uh, some examples for you guys, because I, w- I want, I want you to see that this was a practice that while it was used back in the old Testament, there were those who used it to, um, to really understand the will of God. They they believe that casting lots gave them divine instruction from God. Okay, so they, they believe that. And there were those who used it on more of a, um, uh, more like divination and more like, you know, soothsayers or, or, or psychics and things like that. They would cast their lots as well. But there was an element of the Old Testament where uh, God actually instructed them to cast lots. So the reason that I'm saying that, not that I'm very knowledgeable of this topic, but it leads me to believe that there was something in casting lots that wasn't as bad, (laughs) you know, as we try to make it out to be today in the church. It wasn't as frowned upon, especially because it was a it was a common practice for them. But again, when you think about God commanding them to do that, uh, to me, it leads me to believe that it was it, it was a practice. It was what they did. You know, they're rock, paper, scissors. This is how we figured things out. But for them, it was a it was a bend on, you know, we're going to use this as a, a intermediary or as a medium to be able to understand the sway of God or his perspective or the instruction. You know, we're going to cast these lots. Okay, so just real quickly, if you want to study up on that, it was uh, in Leviticus 16 and 8, where God commanded Moses. um, He said, and Aaron shall cast lots upon two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. Okay, that's a powerful one. And Numbers uh, 26 and 55, and I'm just going to read these off real quick. Um, And Joshua 7 and 14 and Joshua 18 and 6 and in Samuel 14 and uh 42 uh that that was a that was a snitching casting of lots because that was, was the one where they cast a lot to see um I think that was the one I gotta read it again but they were casting that lot to see who had turned on uh Saul and it came out that it was Jonathan all right and Jonah 1 and 7 Proverbs 16 and 33, Leviticus um, 19 and 26, and Deuteronomy 18 and 10, uh, 1 Chronicles 26 and 13. And then here, where we're, you know, studying today in 1 Acts uh, 23 through 26. And the reason that I take you through the other mentions in the Bible where this was talked about is because it's pivotal to this point that they use this as a practice, but it is my belief that this is the last mention because it was no longer needed. It was no longer needed to cast a lot to understand the will of God because I know your will because the Holy Spirit dwells within me. 
The Holy Spirit is in me, so I I don't have to cast lots anymore. But anyway, they were casting a lot. (laughs) I get excited sometimes, especially when God gives us revelation. They were casting a lot, or in Acts one twenty three through twenty six in the in the Message Bible, it says that they were um, pulling straws. Okay, so they were trying to discern the will of God. Now, you know, um, I forgot, and I forgot earlier when I was reading this too, who actually won, uh, because sometimes, and this is just me, and I'm talking while I pull up this scripture so I can tell y'all who won. Um, but anyway, sometimes for me, some of these uh, apostles be getting me kind of um, mixed up because a lot of them have the names of the common apostles that we know about, but then they'll have a different name or a nickname. Now, I just mentioned that to say, you can't tell me, you cannot convince me this ain't no brothers. <laughs> they got all these names and expect you to remember all of them. All right. So anyway, the two that were up for this leadership position uh, were Joseph, uh, how do you pronounce his last name? Barsabas. And they called him Justice. Okay. And then uh, Matthias, Matthias. And so Matthias was the one who actually won. So now he was counted as the 12th apostle. Okay. So they were able to, uh, in their own ability, discern the will of God by uh, taking that nomination and casting the lot. And and they found... (laughs) You know who who they felt that they needed to take on uh, that position, and so from that moment on, uh, in the book of Acts, we see how the Holy Spirit is directly leading and speaking to the people of God. So again, you ain't gotta cast no lots because here go the Holy Spirit, and now you know that there is a contrast between that um, practice that they had and the Holy Spirit, right? It represented the same uh, end result, but um, y'all don't need no lots no more. Do that make sense? I hope it made sense. It made sense in my head before I said it. All right, so so there was a new dynamic in the relationships that, uh, that, that the, the early church had with God. And, and God was leading his people in such a way that they could tangibly feel the presence of God. They could see him moving in a way that they never experienced him before. And God was taking them in a direction that they had not yet experience and it and it took a lot of faith to continue to go along that path and if they were anything like me anything like me see in the natural I was a rebel I was so much of a rebel my uncle called me the rebel without a cause (laughs) and when you know I got older that used to irritate me that he called me that but it's the truth 
But as a follower of Christ and a spiritual daughter, I've always wanted to be obedient. And for me, because I came from such a rigid background, you know, with my dad, he was very stern with us. A, a very stern disciplinarian so it was it was either you flow within these guardrails it, it was it was not a lot of um uh what's the word I'm I don't know if I want to say flexibility mobility I don't know but he 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 has some tight constraints on us as children so so we didn't learn how to uh make certain decisions on our own because we knew what we could and could not do. And if you didn't do it, you had consequences. But what God wanted to teach them in this um, book was that when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you have power. And that power allows you to understand and know what my will is. So you know, uh, we talked about this earlier today, and I think it comes in in Romans, and so I'm going to try to touch on it again once I get to that part. But sometimes we think that God is so rigid that we have to ask for permission to do certain things where God is saying, if you make a decision, if you make a decision, I'm going to be with you. And there are times, don't get me wrong, where God is going to be very matter of fact about what his will is and what he desires for us to do. But there are going to be other times, you know, sometimes I've I've had job opportunities and I'd be like, Lord, I don't know which one to go to. I don't know what to do. And God, you know, will, will just whisper in my inner ear, you know, in my spiritual understanding that, hey. Whatever you choose, I'm going to be right there with you. I shared earlier today, um, I recently listened to an interview with um, uh, Farrakhan. And so he was talking about a season in his life. I think it was about 15 years ago now, probably about 14 to be exact. And he had experienced a life um, changing, life altering uh, health issue. And so he was pretty much on his deathbed, close to his deathbed. And so what was happening was his organs, his, his, his body, you know, um, wasn't functioning the way that it should. So, you know, he was, he was urinating, you know, through his back part and, and, and excreting waste through his front part. So I'll let y'all imagine that. And maybe I'll send y'all a link to the interview. But it was so profound what he said. One, one thing that I do believe about uh, Farrakhan, whether I agree with his doctrine or his philosophies or all of his understanding of who Jesus is, which I stand firmly on my Christian belief and my Christian faith, but it does not change the fact that I believe that man has a relationship with God. I really do. And I pray that that relationship will yield salvation so that he can see him. (laughs) So that at the end of this, God will say to him, my good and faithful servant in whom I'm well pleased versus get away from me. I don't know, (laughs) you know. And so, but anyway, he was talking about how he was facing uh, this decision that he had to make. 
uh, that, that could either, you know, save or end his life. And so he was being advised. He had advisors around him. So his medical advisors were telling him, look, either you do this surgery or you're going to lose your life. They were very, you know, transparent and honest with him about what he was facing. And then he he mentioned that the naturalists were, you know, they were saying, look, don't don't do it because once you do it, it's going to create a dependency and, you know, it may jack you up or whatever. And so finally, you know what his faith was saying, you know, hey, I, I can be healed, you know, whatever, whatever he was going through at that time. But he could not make a decision. And what made this so profound is that this is a man who prides himself on his ability to hear from God. Many of the things that he has proclaimed over the years come directly from the fact that he says God said. God said. Now whether he whether God said it or not, and listen, I know I know pluralistic philosopher. I believe in one truth. <laughs> but I'm just saying what the guy say. And so um he didn't know what direction to turn in. So what, what that meant to me was there was a breakdown in his faith and his ability to hear from God. And here you have someone who is mature in his faith, who's been walking with God for a long time, who has, like I said in the past, heard from God. But now he's, he, he's having a struggle discerning the will of God. And, and this struggle is not some penny ante, Lord, do I take this job or the other Or do I go to the market or, you know, do something else? No, 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 no. This was dealing with his entire life. He could have lost his life if he made the wrong decision. So he said that he asked God to push him into the decision that he needed to make. He said, make me make the decision. Sometimes when we don't know the will of God, sometimes when we can't hear from God, like I said, the children of Israel for that season of time before Jesus came, they didn't have an instructor. They didn't have a teacher. They were waiting for the Messiah. They were waiting, thirsty for it. And when it came, they didn't recognize it. But but this man, Farrakhan, he said, he said, make me, push me into the decision. And so he talked a little bit more about his experience. And sometimes soon after that, he had some rupture that happened in his body. I can't remember the entire story, but he had some kind of rupture in his body that caused him to have to have whatever emergency surgery. And what they what they were doing, the way he explained it, they it was it was like a reconstruction of his pelvic. And so they had to remove it and reconstruct it and put it back. So I can imagine that's that's some huge trauma on your body, um, a, 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 a huge surgery. So anyway, God led him to the right decision. And sometimes that's what God will do. Sometimes God will do that and lead us to the right decision. But God is also a God who allows us to leverage the wisdom that he has given us and the authority in the earth to make a decision, to make a decision. And I was sharing with the girls earlier today when we were going through Bible studies, sometimes in getting to know and understand the voice of God, sometimes you got to act before you know. Sometimes you have to act before you know. And what that means is I heard uh, a very prolific 
preacher sometime in the past, he talked about learning the voice of God. And he came up with a very practical step-by-step how-to on what to do. He said, quiet yourself and listen for the voice of God and apply what you heard. Ask God for specific instruction. Even if it's you, you're driving down the road and you say, God, what direction shall I go in? Because sometimes we might even get up in the in the morning and decide what uh, our day was going to be laid out for. But we don't know what God designed for our day. So take the time driving up the road. Lord, I'm at a stop sign. Which way do I go? And listen for the Holy Spirit and, and follow. And watch the outcome of that obedience. And if it's something, look, I'm, I'm not saying that y'all start doing this literally. Y'all apply it to your life and rationalize it based on your level of relationship <laughs> with God. Okay. I want nobody to be like, oh, mama, you told us to stop at a stop sign and ask the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said, go this way. And, and I found myself, you know. But anyway, y'all understand what I'm saying. Do it that first time. And then see the results. If it is the voice of God, you will know. And do it again. And that voice will become more prominent. It may not become louder, but it will become more distinct. You will know the voice of God. Sometimes we hear the voice of God and we don't even listen. And I was sharing with them, I always get on myself. Because listen, look. If anybody in this world understand what Paul meant when he said, sometimes I will to do right. <laughs> but this thing in me, this flesh would have me, I, I'll just do whatever it is that I want to do. And the Holy Spirit would tell me, don't just, shh. don't even say nothing. Don't speak on it. And I'll go ahead and open up my mouth. But what we don't want to do is we don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. We don't want to silence or hamper the voice of God through the Holy Spirit. And what I shared earlier is that God is a gentleman. And even in Christ Jesus, he never forced us into salvation. Sometimes I wish he would have. But with the Holy Spirit and the leading of the Holy Spirit, we're not going to be forced into anything. We have to surrender. We have to listen. We have to hear. The more you hear, the more you're going to know the voice of God. The more you'll get that comfort and the more you will respond to the voice of God. I shared with them, uh, I had Miss Elise spent the night last night. And boy, when I tell you yesterday, when we had our card night, (laughs) that child was screaming and crying and poor baby, she's going through the teething. And I knew that all that crying was going to wear her out. And so I had a plan. I said, I'm going to take her for a walk and give her a nice bath. And I knew she was going to be knocked out. And so... The, the walk didn't work because by the time I came out, G-Dad had her on his shoulder and, and he was rocking her to sleep. And I said, okay, he done ruined my plan. But anyway, let me take the baby and give her a bath. And I gave her a bath and we were laying on the bed and, and I was just talking to her, you know, in a little baby voice and just being sweet. 
And so she was she was pulling my face. She wouldn't let me move. If I tried to move, she was going to get up and wouldn't let me go nowhere. So I had to lay there until she just drifted off to sleep. So she slept through the whole night. She slept all night. She, she may have moved a little bit, but that baby slept. And she slept good. So she gets up and and uh, in the morning, and I looked over, and I saw her. She looked over, and she saw me, and she just had that great big smile. And I'm noticing it. This is a happy baby waking up. She, Because the last time I had her, she had that big old smile. But anyway, she had a great big smile. And uh, then I called myself turning over because I said, well, let me just, you know, put a little pacifier in her mouth. She'd be all right. Let me get a couple of more winks in. And next thing I know, she started that, eh, eh. You know, she wanted me to respond to her. So I turned over and, you know, she's learning my voice. And I started doing my little baby talk and talking to her and, and my little baby language. And, you know, she just started grinning and laughing. And, you know, she was so happy. And I'm telling you, that lasted for a while. We had a good old time for a couple of hours. But then them teeth started bothering her again, poor baby. Then she started back crying. But anyway, we get downstairs later in the day and C came over for uh, Bible study. And she was in talking to her dad. And dad was showing her pictures from uh, the vacation that we did. I think it was on the the, uh, the cruise. It was the cruise, I think. And he was showing her pictures. So I saw the the pictures and I started talking to Sierra in my little ba- baby language. I said, oh, look at C. Look at C and her daddy. You know, and I was making a little baby language and, and um, Elise just looked up, looked over at me. And I knew that she had heard that familiar voice. And she came to attention because she thought that I was talking to her. And the same thing happens to us as we learn the Holy Spirit, as we learn the voice of God. Allow the Spirit of God to be your guide, to be your direction. Um, Did I share this? I don't know if we had the Bible study yet, but, but I was listening to this preacher who was talking about Uh, just, you know, how we misinterpret the anointing. When we ask God for his anointing, we don't understand that that is only an appointment. That is not the power. The power that we seek is through the Holy Spirit. And we receive that power when Jesus ascended in heaven and he left the Spirit and his Holy Spirit was indwelled in us. That's where the power comes from. All right? So let me let me keep it moving because I'm probably going over our regular <clears throat> hour anyway. But this was so good. All right. So Acts chapter 15. So what was going on then? What was happening during that time was, as I told you, they were they were establishing the foundation of the church. So so in the beginning, so those first few chapters, what we what we saw was in Acts in those first few chapters, they were laying the foundation. So this was more of a local effort. You know, those areas around Jerusalem, you know, those common areas. But as we progress through uh, Acts, they expand 
expanded their evangelism to cover uh, more distance, okay? So what's happening here in uh, chapter 15, now the leaders are faced with a decision and a challenge. And, And so whenever we're faced with things, we need to understand and know the will of God, especially when your decision will impact so many. You got to know the will of God. You got to know and understand his will. But this <clears throat> chapter, and I'm sorry, something, my throat, I need to get me some cough drops. I'm probably going to ask Big Derek to get me some cough drops. But anyway, um, what was happening during this time was the leaders were trying to develop and establish the guidelines for this new religion that was coming to be Christianity for the foundation of the church. What do we believe? What is our core beliefs? And and so the the span or the foundation was derived primarily from the Jewish faith. Okay, so we, we know that they're the chosen. And so most of their traditions, most of their practices were embedded in the thread, the fiber of the Christian faith. So what was going on this time, at this time, as uh, the leaders were being instructed was, Paul was helping them to see that, look, listen, Jew, Jewish le- leaders, you all cannot force feed your belief beliefs on these Gentiles who are coming into the establishment of our faith. They don't know like you know. They don't understand like you understand. So all these, uh, uh, I'm going to say, religious practices that you all do, don't don't burden them with that. Don't make them feel like they have to comply with that. And on the flip side of it, for the Gentiles, look, I get it. You all are not accustomed to some of these practices, but but don't offend our orthodox, you know, followers of the Jewish faith. Don't come in here, you know, eating no bloody stuff or, you know, participating and and different acts and things like that that you know is a total contrast to their belief so in essence what he was telling them can't we all just get along let's let's all come together understand our differences and and uh embrace our diversity So during this foundation laying time, the leaders and the disciples in Jerusalem, like I said, they had to make a decision. Do we make them follow the rituals of the Mosaic law? Or do we allow them to to do it a different way? And so their concern was if we push too hard, it can be a hindrance to us being able to spread the gospel. And if we don't push hard enough, how will they learn to be disciplined believers? And so they prayed 
and they listened and they deliberated. And they counseled one another. And they tried to apply their wisdom and understand, God, what do you desire? As Paul is is guiding them, as he's coaching them, God, what do you want from us? And so ultimately, they came to the realization by the leading of the Holy Spirit that, hey, we don't have to, you know, carve in stone that this is who we are. There's a new dynamic to our relationship with God, and that dynamic embraces the diversity of who and what a Christian can be. Now, there are some foundational truths that don't get you out of living a certain way, but that gets us to the point of, look, listen, let them eat what they want to eat. Just, hey, if you're going to eat that, don't eat it in front of me. But nobody says that you can go and, and slaughter a child. Like Mary and I have been exposed to uh, this demonic pagan practice of where you had a set group of Europeans. And Mary can talk about it uh, because I don't know a lot about it. But they were trying to... Um, simulate what they felt to be the power of the Egyptians, the early ancient Egyptians, of their ability to have a third eye and wisdom and knowledge on a spiritual level. And even beyond that, they they felt that they could go back in time and experience life and have a consciousness of that and project into the future, experience life and have a consciousness of it. And all of these things helped to enhance their life in the earth. So there were a group of Europeans who had become knowledgeable about this. And so they wanted this power and they began to sacrifice uh, these Egyptian, I mean, not Egyptian. Was it Egyptians? Mary's going to have to help me remember, but they began to sacrifice these babies and try to, you know, ingest them physically, realistically literally so that they can obtain this power that ain't the kind of compromising can we all just get along practice that I'm saying (laughs) you recognize but more so understanding that our walk with Christ is about a relationship and not religion Religion is good in the sense that it gives us a baseline, a foundation or guardrails for our relationship. The Old Testament is great because it helps us to understand uh, the commandments, the commandments. But we knew that that way, when they were under the Mosaic law, that did not help them. It was grace. It was grace that allowed them to make it through. And that was through the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. All right. So moving on to Romans 12. Romans 12 is very powerful. And I shared earlier today, I would love for us to do a study on Romans 12. And I was thinking about, I want to I teach it, but maybe one of you all 
will volunteer to go and do the study and actually, um, you know, bring it back to to the group. And maybe one day you all can uh, facilitate um, one of our Bible studies. All right, I'm just going to throw that out there. But in Romans 12, specifically in verses 1 through 3, they were seeking the will of God, but they wanted to know it just like we all do in, in a, a, a um, definitive way, in a, in a surefire way. They wanted to know what was the, the will of God. So they didn't they didn't want to have no reservations. They didn't want to, you know, they OK, God, what do you what do you um what do you say about this? What do you approve is what I'm trying, the word I'm trying to get to. And so what God was trying to, the message that he was trying to get across to them was a very simple message. And it was, it was profound because what God was telling them or sharing with them is that if we desire to do God's will, with all of our heart, with all that is within us, he will disclose his will to us. That's why I said earlier, listen for the voice of God. God, God is a real time God. He's right here with us. He knows, he knows. So it's not going to be a, 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 a um, thought, oh, I'm listening for the voice of God. God don't know that that's what I'm doing. So let me wait until two o'clock to do it because then God can catch up with my thoughts. No, he know your thoughts way before you even had them. So when you go through that exercise, God's going to be right there because he knows your heart. We have the desire to do his will with all of our heart and not the other way around, asking God to bless us, bless what we have done that is outside of his will. God will constantly tap you, speak to you, show you as you go along. I'm telling you, I know this to be the truth. God will constantly lead us to the answer. I think in Romans, they were saying, look, don't act like you're doing this for God. God is doing this for you. It's a, it's a totally different mindset. This entire chapter was, was challenging our ego to die. To die. It ain't about us. It ain't about you. But anyway, I encourage you to read through it. And continue along, uh, go even deeper into this study. But how does God make for us his will known? How does he, how does he make his will known to us? You know, for me, it's easy to apply logic and to think critically through situations to make a decision, especially professionally. Now, personally, not so easy. Because <laughs> sometimes I use a different methodology. But on the job, what I do is I try to leverage the facts 
what I understand to be true to make a sound decision. And I, I've, I've done this practice and I, I even teach it, but I've done this practice to where I will not leverage assumptions. Assumptions can only be as valuable as the facts that they lead to. So if it's an assumption that I can't tie to a fact, you can't be in my bottom line for my bottom line for when I make the decision, if that makes sense. So logically, when I think critically through things, I'm looking at here's the fact, what's the logical next best step? But when it comes to being able to discern the will of God, while I may tap into my five senses professionally to be able to help me think critically, there are other senses that we need to build up. And this study highlights that we need to build up to be able to help us to respond to the will of God so that we know and understand exactly what it is. And the first thing that they talk about is wisdom. Wisdom, which is the accumulated knowledge of how God has worked in our lives, how we've seen him work in the past and how we've experienced him in other people's lives. We know God applied the wisdom that we know to be able to help us to discern his will. Sometimes we get ourselves caught up in situations and circumstances. We know it ain't God. We know it ain't God. But if we leverage the wisdom, and I I believe Bishop Hilton used to say this all the time, wisdom is the applied knowledge of what we know. The application of the knowledge that we know. We have wisdom of, of who our God is. Leverage that to understand and discern his will. The other thing is scripture. Now, I'm going to tell you one thing about the word of God, and I've been stressing this over the last couple of weeks in our Bible study, that the foundation that was laid in the Christian church is documented in such a simplistic way. I mean, you you just got to read it. You know, some of us, we just, you know, and, and me too, you know, I, I, I went to school, my undergrad is in theology and some of the most common passages in the Bible, I can't even remember because I've been so far out of my study, I need to get back into it. But these scriptures in the New Testament, it lays stuff right out. And it was important uh, for the apostles, you know, the Luke, the John, you know, Paul, you know, Mark, all of them. It was important, Titus, you know, I'm I'm not going to keep calling out names, but, you know, it was important that John, I can't believe I forgot John. (laughs) All right. But it was important for them. And here they keep coming to my head, Timothy. No, we going to stop right now. But it was important that they laid things out simplistically because they knew that you were building the foundation and see some of us we want to go to the advanced stages and and you know go to the next level before we lay the foundation whenever you're laying the foundation for anything you need the rudimentary you know just the basic knowledge so that you can build on that if you don't get the foundation straight then what you build on it is going to be unstable. So that's why it was so important. And thank God that they needed that material. Thank God, 
you know, that we can go back and reference it. And like I said, all we got to do. So the scripture is a very key sense that we can use to be able to discern the will of God. Because if it don't line up with the word, if it don't line up with this word, we ought not be doing it. The other thing is godly counsel. Godly counsel. Surround yourself with people who are like-minded. Who are of the same faith and understanding of who Christ is. I'm not saying that they're at the same stage of maturity as you. I'm just saying that they are like-minded. Godly counsel. Oftentimes we try to, you know, go with the flow of what's common in, in, in the worldview versus taking heed to the word of God that said, um, you know, don't be in the counsel of the ungodly. That means don't be instructed by him. We let people lead us in life-changing decisions that we know ain't saved. And not only are they not saved, their whole philosophy of life is just so off, you know, kilter. It's, 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 it's tainted because it's so polluted with the world views and, and demonic influence that they may be saying something that makes common sense, but it makes no godly sense. Does that make sense? <laughs> So it is godly counsel uh, is another sense that we want to use. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we talked about this and how the Holy Spirit will sometimes use us through our emotions. You know, sometimes we just get so emotional when we have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. But we don't want to be led out of our emotions. Does that make sense? We want to be led by the Holy Spirit, not out of our emotions, although the Holy Spirit will invoke emotions within us. But as we grow and mature in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, as we begin to know the Spirit of God, and this is not something that is mystical. It's, it's really not. It's so practical. It's almost like the relationship that I have with any of you, any of you as a mother, as a sister, as an aunt. You could pick up the phone. You can have a conversation with me. We can talk. We can chill. We can all. The Holy Spirit is that practical. It's that practical. It's not some, I got to form a relationship to to um, resemble what, what somebody else has with God. No, no. It's so personal. It's so personal. Sometimes I just find myself, even lately, even lately, I just find myself just talking to God, just talking to the Holy Spirit, just asking the Holy Spirit to just, you know, lead me today. And I do that often because I had a season in my life I had a season in my life where I was even challenged at praying or talking directly to the Holy Spirit because I had an experience watching my dad and it kind of spooked me. And the enemy knew what he was doing. I wasn't prayed up. I didn't have my armor. I was, you know, in, in the battlefield and that thing stung me and it stayed with me. But I had went for a visit in Detroit. This was 
you know, close to the time that my dad was was passing away. And I was there and this man talked for hours. He talked from the time he went to the back room and maybe it was about 11, 12 o'clock. And I'm assuming he went back there that late because he knew we were there and he knew that he, you know, started doing this thing. And so he talked from that time to the morning when we woke up, I could still hear him talking to himself nonstop. I'm, I'm not making this up. And I personally believe that it was the onset, not onset, but he was deep into uh, what they label as schizophrenia. I, I really believe that because he was having conversation with himself. He was having conversation as if he was talking to someone else. And, and that thing spooked me so bad. And in my mind, I was like, I will not, I will not take on this mental illness. I will not. And so I stopped praying aloud. Let's just say that. (laughs) Unless, Unless I was praying on a prayer line or unless I was praying, you know, somebody else had to be in my company. And then I had the nerve to have to start calling the prayer line and, and double in. So it's like I'm talking on. <laughs> I'm telling you, I was so jacked up. That's why I don't take for granted the relationship that I have today with the Holy Spirit, because I know that the enemy tried to take that away from me. And so I don't do it as often or as much as I have. All right, so let me wrap this up. I I finished the entire study and went to look at the recording or or to um to finish it up and realize I have been talking for an additional maybe 10-15 minutes. Uh so I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to wrap this up uh so that we can get like I said, get the meat of, of the lesson. But anyway, it was, I was getting good into that. But, but the reason I was sharing that story about my experience with my dad is because that, that kind of took me away from the routine of my relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so I don't even remember if uh, part of the recording picked up where I was saying that, you know, after I had that experience, I had, um, you know, I started doing things different as far as how I was, was um, praying. You know, sometimes I, I wouldn't especially pray by myself. You know, I kind of stopped praying by myself. I wouldn't pray, you know, when I was the only one around. I even got to the point where I would call into the prayer line to pray because it was just something going on in my mind, you know, and I had decided I was not going to adopt that mental illness that I had watched my dad go through and you know he had talked all that time so so it just made me feel like I needed to shift some things and and I'll go back to the recording and hear what I said and fill in the gaps and share that with you all but the point of me sharing that was just to say that today I do not take for granted 
the relationship that I have with the Holy Spirit and I pray without ceasing. I talk to the Holy Spirit. I engage with the Holy Spirit and I know that God is right here with me very intimately. Uh, we are in relationship. Uh, so anyway, let me get to the the final few points that I wanted to make here. Uh, so also another way to discern, you know, and that in your senses is through your mind, right? Considering, um, you know, your, um, what did I say here? You know, what, what would, what would the wisest thing be for you to do to demonstrate good stewardship? You know, use your mind to discern the will of God. You know, think through it. You know, sometimes we have giftings and, you know, just different talents and skills and our mental, the way that we think. Use that to help you to discern the will of God. Revelation. You know, God gives us dreams and he gives us, you know, visions and, you know, impartations. So, Use revelation to discern the will of God and circumstances. You know, sometimes we get caught up in stuff that we know. We know without a doubt it is not God's will. We know that it's not God's will. But on the flip side of that, we get into situations that we don't want to be in. That is God's will. But we can have confidence in knowing that if it is in his will, (laughs) we definitely going to come out on the other side of through better than we did better than we went in. Okay. All right. Um, but that's, that's the lesson for today. And I pray that you all enjoy that. I would encourage you once again to get in your word throughout the week. Uh, Acts 1, Acts 15 and Romans 12 is what our focus was on today. Uh, God is very powerful And don't forget that disclaimer that the lesson is coming. The lesson is coming. And I pray that you all are able to apply the nuggets that we got out of this uh, study tonight or this morning. (laughs) But it's night now. But anyway. All right. Love you all. And uh, I'll see you all next Saturday. Love you. Bye bye.